0: unfortunately we're getting used to meeting this way Uh, maybe not ever used to it but certainly we're getting more and more comfortable with this you know we've been having a competition of the most comfortable worshiper at landmark and I got a lot of pictures this week I wanted to show you first of all we'll see our worship leaders uh kids there's Dylan Swindle uh that that's scary and then we've got Bryant Swindle I'm and Jessica gets in the picture. I'm sure that wasn't during worship. Had to be during the message. And then you're going to see Ella Grace Dix falling around. Pretty impressed with that. Falling with us. Parker Davis, love little Parker. He looks quite comfortable. And then we're going to see William and Michelle Kirkland's kids. They have got it going there. And uh, there's their preacher. So pretty impressed with that. And then this is the one that scared me the most and gets the award today is Ella Beth Kirkland. Looks like she's out of it. So, thank you for sending those pictures. Here's what I'd like to say to some of you uh, kids. I'd like some pictures of your parents. If you could catch them asleep, that would be awesome. Discouraging, but awesome. I want to start today with a, a quotation. It's a quotation from Satan and from Jesus. First of all, Satan says, I will cause anxiety, fear, and panic. I will shut down businesses, schools, places of worship, and sports events. I will cause economic turmoil. Then Jesus says, I will bring together neighbors, restore the family unit. I'll bring back the dinner to the kitchen table. I will help people slow down their lives and appreciate what really matters. I will teach my children to allow me and not the world. I will teach my children to trust me and not their money and material resources. Sounds like that was written today. That was actually written in 1942 by C.S. Lewis. And it gives a good framework for our lesson today. Because what we're going to look at today is how Satan is working and how God's working. It's just that simple. And Paul does this in one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible, Romans chapter 8. I want to read first of all, verse 18. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You see, Paul says there's some suffering going on, but God is working something good in us. So here's the preview of our lesson today. There's a lot of groaning going on, and there's a lot of good going on. We're going to see this in these sections of the passage that we're studying today. In fact, let's start with the groaning part. Let's read Romans chapter 8, and let's start now in verse 19. And again, you're going to see a lot of groaning. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from the bondage to decay and brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Now now listen here. Yeah, you know, that that sounds bleak, but but what he's saying is there's a baby coming. There, there may be some childbirth going on and some pains of that going on, but understand God is birthing something special. And then he says, now as creation grows, not only so, but we ourselves, who are the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So you, you see some things here. And like I say, a lot of groaning going on. First of all, you see creation groans, okay? You know, you know we, we hear groanings. I was with a friend the other day, and he got up from his lazy boy, and he groaned a little bit. I said, man, what's up with you? And he said, you know, my hips have got arthritis. We, we all know what a groan sounds like. We heard a collective groan across the state of Alabama when Governor Ivey a week and a half ago said, schools were shut down for the year. You heard some teachers groan. You know, you heard some athletes groan, some graduates groan. You had a lot of people groaning in that moment. You might have had some students celebrating, but you had a lot of groaning going on. Because a lot of people's plans were destroyed. And so what is groaning? Groaning is a deep sound of pain or displeasure. When you're in deep pain or great displeasure, I don't like it, you let out a groan. And here's what he says is the world is in such a mess that creation groans. Something that we all need to face is that we live in a fallen world. We have earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes. We actually are in the middle of an epidemic. And that's a part of the fallen world that we live in. It's so crazy to think what scientists are telling us is this started in the, with this bat in hell. I mean, I mean, this bat in China that that all this has come from that now how does this go on because the world is a broken place ever since the rebellion in the garden of eden so the creation groans it wants to be made right this world is not right and then not only is creation grown but believers groan. not only do we live in a fallen world we are a fallen people our bodies are disintegrating You know, it's hard for us to keep it together. It's hard for us to behave. It's hard for us to obey. And so we groan, wanting things to be differently. And then he throws in another groaner. This one may surprise you. The Holy Spirit groans. Now this is what I would call the good news groan. Because what this says is that, you know what, in the middle of creation and us knowing things are not good... The Holy Spirit comes alongside of us, and He groans with us. He's the presence of God. When Jesus walked this earth, there's a couple times in the Gospels where the Bible says He groaned. And each time, it's when He saw what sin had produced in the world. He saw this fallen world and these fallen people, and it, it made Him so sad that He groaned. Now, why is creation, and why are we, and why is the Holy Spirit groaning? Because life is not what it's supposed to be. Sometimes we talk to somebody and we use a very similar word. What are you moaning about? And scripture says here, okay, we're moaning because things are not right. The world's not right. You're not quite right. I'm not quite right. And, and I would say this to us as Christians. For some of us, for us, it may be even more challenging. Because if Paul says, we've experienced the first fruits... As some translations put there, we've experienced a foretaste. And that's why in the scripture you see this, you know, this, this already but not yet thinking. We've been redeemed, but not completely. We've been adopted, but one day we'll be adopted into heaven. We've been saved, but we'll also will be saved when Jesus comes back. Is that contradictory language? No. What he's saying is we've got a taste of it. We've got the first fruit of it. Why? Because of what we're celebrating next Sunday, the resurrection. You see, it, it, it's that Easter story that says things can be radically different. So radical that a dead man can come up from the grave. And we experience the first fruit, the, the foretaste of the way things should be. And so, um, what's he saying is we live in this in-between time. And we as Christians have tasted that things can be better. We were having a life group discussion uh, last uh, Sunday night on Zoom. And uh, one of our life group members is a, a guy that's the soccer coach at Faulkner, Pritchard and Darius. He's from uh, Zimbabwe. And um, we were talking about how difficult this was and uh, how people didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. And there was the fear of the unknown. And he sort of interrupted us and say, guys, this is the way people live in my country every day. They're not so sure about where the meal's gonna come tomorrow. And yet we've been spoiled. And in some ways, we as Christians, we know that this is not right. We have a greater expectation because we are experiencing what heaven will be like. We're experiencing a taste of heaven. And so we know, the Holy Spirit knows, life is not what it's supposed to be. Now, let's get though to the good part of here. There's a lot of good going on in the middle of this. Let's go back to Romans 8, and let's walk through this slowly. Romans 8, verse 26. He says, in the same way the Spirit, that Spirit that's groaning with us, helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. What's the good going on? Number one, spirit-assisted prayers. New Living Translation says here, we don't know what we should pray for or even how we should pray. You know, the day we live in right now is rather confusing. What do you pray for? How do you pray? I, sometimes I don't even have the words. Sometimes I don't know if I'm even praying for the right things. Here's the good news. The good news is the Spirit assists us. The good news is sometimes when I'm making a um, request to God that's not in line with the will of God, he interrupts it, says to his father, the truth is, but he really doesn't know what he's saying. Let me tell you what he needs to say. Or sometimes when I don't have words and I can't get it out, I, the Spirit says, okay, I know what's going on in his heart, Father. I want you to hear his heart. This is what he needs. You see, the, the picture again is what we talked about last week of this this loving, gracious Father who wants to hear from us, who knows our voice. He knows our hurts. He knows our groans. If you're a parent and you have very young children and you hear them cry in another room, you get to the point where you know whether it's a hungry cry, a hurt cry, whether they're just afraid, or whether they just need their diaper changed. You learn to be sensitive to those cries because you know them. And here's what I want you to know. God the Father knows us. And to make sure that things are right on target and He's close to us, He's given us the Holy Spirit who lives in us. How close is God? he's not above you he's not even like when jesus was here around you he is actually in you and as you groan he comes along and groans with you and here's what he does he makes sure that your prayers line up with the will of god and so that's what's good going on our prayers are being directed to god in his very will And that allows God to work through these circumstances for something really great to happen. In fact, that brings us to one of the favorite verses in the Bible, and rightly so, Romans 8, 28. And we know, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who loved him, who have been called according to his purpose. Number two, we have divinely orchestrated events. Please understand this passage. He is not saying everything that happens is good. He's not even saying in the middle of this crazy virus that God caused this. But what he absolutely is saying is that God can use this. You see, God is so powerful and he is so all knowing and all loving. He can take all the different circumstances of our life, bring it under his sovereignty and control and actually use it for something good. How good is he? He's so good that he can take your greatest failure, your biggest mistake, and turn it into something good. For most of us, it's our weakness that's become our ministry. Why? Because God can take not only the good things that happen in your life, but even the bad things that happen in your life, and he can orchestrate it in such a way that you come out a better person, equipped to help people, you would have never been able to help if you hadn't been addicted to drugs. You would have never helped if you hadn't had that failure in your life. You'd never been able to help if you hadn't been through that divorce. Now, I'm not saying all of those things were God's will. But what I'm saying is we, we have a God who's great enough, who loves you enough, who's sovereign enough to take those things and make something really good come out of it. You know, so, you know, I, I sent a Facebook message out this week. Asking this question. And Leslie started a minute ago. What is the good you see God doing in this crisis? I, I like what my long term friend Michael Champion said. He said, We're probably not going to really be able to answer this To it's over. And I think he's right in so many ways, but there are so many answers that we're given of things we're already learning. I, I like what Leslie said a moment ago about, you know, about the, the isolation and, and having to slow down. Slow down enough to evaluate ourselves. You see, I think in the middle of this, what many of you said to me was that God is revealing our idols. Things that just flat mean too much to us. He's making us understand what's always been true is that we are out of control of our lives. Oh, one of the best things happening is I see families coming together. Yeah, I'm sure there's tension. I'm sure there's difficulty, but I see, especially many young families, are spending more time together than they ever would have any other way. And as someone put on my Facebook post, we see neighborhoods having uh, being reborn. That in this culture, we don't know our neighbors now. As we walk the streets, as we step out to pray, we're getting to know our neighbors, and we're seeing our country. United. I mean, this is so bigger than our partisan divides and our petty issues. And you see people coming together to serve each other. We see the best of our people in in caring for each other. I I like what many people said is we also are learning to appreciate little things. Appreciating, someone said, the grass. Appreciating the, the sunrise. Appreciating our church family appreciating the assembly of God's people, the gathering that we miss so much. And then for so many of us, this has placed us in a place where we're being called to spend more time with God than we ever have. And that's worth it all. And here's here's what I'm so excited about. This revival that many of us have been praying for for decades, this may bring it on. I mean, listen to this. Here's the end of a commentary in the Wall Street Journal of all places this week. Here it is. Could a rogue virus lead to a grand creative moment in American history? Will Americans shaken by the reality of a risky universe rediscover the God who proclaimed himself sovereign over every catastrophe? Man, be praying about that. I think God could use this this way. Because again, like he says, all things, including this, can be used by God for those who love him. And then let's keep walking through this passage. Verse 28 tells us what God's doing behind the scenes. And we know that in all things, God works. That's verse 28 again, excuse me. Let me go to verse 29. Be worth reading again, wouldn't it? For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Number three, what's he doing while we're groaning? We are developing Christ-conformed character. Let me, let me make this plain. No one is more committed to your growth in Christ-likeness than God. And just like a good parent, our Heavenly Father is more concerned with our holiness than our happiness. He's more concerned about us developing as a person in the image of Jesus than all of our circumstances lining up. You see, here's what I see in this. God's goal for us, and when you became a Christian, you said your goal for yourself was to be like Jesus. It sounds so crazy radical. And God is taking everything he can to help mold your character. It's like this. Never had a cooking illustration before. I know a lot of us are doing cooking we've never done. I hardly ever cook. The only time I ever cook is Christmas morning. I cook breakfast. And so this week, I You know, I've been experimenting with a waffle recipe. And um, I've always just used the mixes, but I sort of looked up one and saw all the ingredients, you know, and how you put them together, you know, milk and flour and sugar and eggs and salt and baking soda and a little bit of vanilla. And together, all those ingredients made, if I have to admit, some really pretty good waffles. But on their own, who would want to just eat some salt? Who would want to just partake in some baking soda? Flour, I mean, on their own, but all together, they they bring out something quite tasty. And I believe when when God is trying to develop your character to be more Christ-like, he uses all kinds of different ingredients. Scripture, certainly the Holy Spirit. Worship is transformative. People in your life who rub you the right way. Going out and serving changes you. And yes, trials that even make you groan change you. So look at all God's doing. Look at the three things we've talked about. He's, he's working our prayers, He's orchestrating events, all so that we could be more like Jesus. So I want to I get to our application here today. Ask God to reveal to you what He's teaching you in this trial. You see, we could rock through this thing and not learn lessons. We could rock through this and only groan and moan. Or we can say, God, I am wide open. Because prayer is such a powerful tool during this time. I hope you've been praying the Lord's Prayer this past week as we challenge you. It's been so helpful to me to get things in perspective. And so this morning, I want to add another prayer for your list. And that's, okay, God. I want to be open to what you're trying to teach me. Maybe this thing might get over a little quicker if if we know what you're trying to teach us. So, God, please reveal that. You see, if we're not careful, it's like we talked about last week. We only see the foreground of all the turmoil. But what we must see is the background. So, you've got to look a little further, and you've got to ask God to to reveal that to you. So, let me add one more point to this, of what, what God's doing And this is what I would call truth-inspired hope. God is working in our lives to give us hope in the middle of this. That's truly what this passage is all about. Right in the middle of it, he says, for it's in this hope we are saved. And I don't think that's just talking about heaven and hell being right or wrong with God, I think he's talking about in the circumstance we're in right now, it's hope that keeps us going. In this whole passage, man, I love the Bible. And I love how real it is. He's not trying to be Pollyanna. He's not trying to say nothing bad happened in your life. He's not trying to say, as a Christian, you should never groan. But what he is saying is, in the midst of this, if you look close enough, God is doing some really good things. And because of that, we are people who have hope as the anchor of our soul that keeps us tethered in this crazy time. And you see, all you really need is a little bit of hope to endure anything. That's what studies have said. If someone has hope, they can go through almost anything. There's a story that came out of the end of World War II when the American soldiers got in Germany. And there were all these orphaned children, and so we built all these orphanages but we noticed the children could not sleep, even though everything was being taken care of them. But through the, last, because through the last years of the war, they had not been able to count on a meal the next morning. And so they were so anxious, the children couldn't sleep. And so we learned to do something really unique. We would give every child a piece of bread, not to eat, but to hold through the night. And they could sleep. And what I am saying to you today is that God has given us the promises of this word for us to hold on to in the middle of our trouble. In fact, I'd like to us to close with the end of this chapter. And if you would right now, wherever you are, please stand up, wake a few people up there, and let's read. I'm in start in verse thirty-five, and we're gonna read to the end of the chapter. I just want you to hear the word of God and let it wash over you and give you hope. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Verse 37, no, I love that no, no, they're not going to overtake us. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation, if I might add, even this pandemic will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the whole church said, Amen. So as we close today, I hope this message has resonated with you. It certainly resonated with me this week, getting to study it. And I want to open up now for prayer requests. That's one of our most special times together, and we we want to do an even better job this week. There, there are two ways that you can give us our prayer request, your prayer requests. You can you can email like we've been doing the last few weeks, but I also want to give you a tool that you could do right now on the spot before you forget about it. Maybe it's something to the message. Maybe it's something going on in your life that you need to respond to. We've got a number, 334-721-4548. 334-721-4548. Just take your phone right now and request it, and we will guarantee you that you'll be prayed for. Maybe you're not seeing things completely. Maybe this has led to a difficulty Maybe you're concerned about people in your life. Or maybe God has revealed some spiritual deficiencies in your life that you need this church to pray for. I mean, let's don't just pray about the pandemic and about sickness health-wise. Guys, I I know in my heart, God is revealing some things uh, that I need to work on, that, that I'd like you to pray for. And let me just say this right now. Some of you, because I see some of, one of the good things coming on this is, is I see the people that are watching this. And many of you haven't been to church in a long time. And we're so thankful you're with us on this. And some of you, maybe you've been introduced by a friend and, and you've not been a follower of Jesus. And you know the groaning part, but you don't know the good part. and And you've discovered that God can use even this. And maybe you're ready to follow Jesus. And possibly even there's someone out there that is ready to be baptized. And I'm telling you, if that is what you desire to do, we will find a way to do it. If we've got to wear a gas mask, we will find a way for you to be born again into Christ. You text that to us with your name if that's something that you're interested in. And please, in all those texts, please give us your name so that we know what to pray for, and who to pray for. So here's what I want to close with. There's no doubt that God is working. No doubt, he always has, always will. The only question is, will I join him? Will I join him? And so this week my challenge as we dismiss from this gathering is for us to join him in his work. And my challenge for you, and this will be my Facebook message, and some of you may not have Facebook to answer my questions every week. I'd love to hear from some of you, especially about this question. How is God using this to transform you spiritually? How is God using this difficult time to change your relationship with God? Send that to And and let me say this. The more specific you can get with that, the better it will help me. Because no question, God's working. Oh, I know we're groaning, and there's nothing wrong with us groaning. But we've got to see that God's working, and we've got to join him in this work. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that we can hold to the promises of your word. God, we thank you for this revelation to Paul that sounds like it was written for us. That you are working in the midst of our difficulty. That the Holy Spirit is in us and helping us with our prayer life, Father. That you are taking these difficult circumstances, Lord, and you're making everything work together for our good. You're transforming our character into the character of Jesus. And oh God, thank you so much that you have given us a hope to hold on to. We give you all the praise in the one who made this possible, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us. Have a great week in the Lord.